never be dick. Sluts in my city only see dick. Travel on this one way path. Fuck the Phoenix. Well, hope everybody out there in Radio Land is, uh, you know, missing and mourning our appearances over the last couple of weeks. You know, obviously we have some challenges. We're humans and we, we have lives, uh, but that's no no excuse for what's going on, man. We love this podcast and we really want to make sure that we're giving it out. So we're bringing you episode six, the rub wrestling. And the question is, what are we going to talk about today? Um, I don't know. It might be something a little bit forbidden if we're going to talk about it. But uh, yeah, the big thing about the Rub Wrestling Podcast is all three of us were in Toronto for Forbidden Door. And that is what we're going to get to today and talk to. If you have any questions for us, you know, you know where you can find the podcast. You can find it on Apple. You can find it on, man, what else? Spotify. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us everywhere. Basically, all the major places that you have. We also have a Discord. Um, you can find us there as well. Um, if you want to send us any questions, um, anything that you want for us or anything that you want us to bring up on air, you can hit us up at the rub wrestling on outlook.com. But man, I don't know about you guys, but I'm still buzzing and we're like a week, th- a week out of this almost. And, uh, Smackdown's on tonight and I kind of don't even really want to watch it. Like it's getting to that point. That's how good that event was. So my opening remarks for you guys is we're going to get to the matches. We're going to talk about how great forbidden door was, but, um, Chris, you came from Sudbury. Josh, you came from uh, roughly. We're gonna say I'm gonna say Trenton to be specific. Um, but what a what a fantastic event! It was so great to see you guys, Chris. Um, you know, we got together at the bar. You slammed about four beers. Tell <laughs> us about your experience um, going into the event because you know what? It's a pay per view, and I, I don't know if a lot of people seen it. You might have seen a wrestling event, but to be at an event with thirteen five and having the afternoon to yourself, tell us about what you did. From about three o'clock when you met up with us to to the time you got into the arena for the show, <laughs> I, I did a lot of things. So yeah, I uh, I had a, I had a few beers at Jack Astor's, and uh, my wife met Matt for the first time. We we got married. There's now a Mrs. Sharp. Uh, Josh was at the wedding. It was it's a great wedding. Got married in Barry, um, so she got to meet you, and she's only met Josh. So that was that was fun. Uh, I got some wings that I couldn't finish. Matt and I played a couple slots, <laughs> a couple slots on his phone for a bit. Um, yeah, then we waited in line for a while, and then we just all of a sudden made our own line. So I don't know. It was uh, it was it was a really good time. It was I've been to wrestling events before. I was at uh, the NXT when SummerSlam was in Toronto. Been to. One of the first Raws that was in Toronto back in the day, and and this was far and above, far and above over all these things. Like it was, it was, uh, it was fun. Even got lubed up. We had to make a couple bathroom, couple unsolicited bathroom breaks. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's it's pretty wild. Like, I mean, you know what? We really had a blast, I think, at Jackass because we got to reconnect for the first time in a long time in person. I mean, we've been talking on the, the, the pod and, you know, through text for a while, for a long time. You know, obviously, uh, feels like the pandemic's coming to a close, right? So, but it's, uh, it was still kind of unique, uh, unique experience being with uh, that many people in a venue. But, uh, uh, Josh, I, th- I have a feeling that Chris is leaving out something that you guys did, uh, you know, before the event, probably by the time after the bathroom breaks getting lubed up. Like, what do you think that was? Oh, well, you know, I think I had to bring the Canagar, you know. So uh, if everybody doesn't know, I, I like to grow pot. and I grow quite a bit of it. And I love to roll these massive Canagars that are, you know, like 
seven to 25 grams. And Chris and I lit one up and it smoked it for about two hours. And we were, <laughs> we were nice and toasty coming in. We had a couple of, uh, you know, interesting folks approach us, of course, when you're, when you're smoking one a cigar that big. Some interesting people coming up. One guy said he met, uh, what was it, Stephen Kahn or something that Stephen Kahn Danny. gave him tickets Danny, or Danny Kahn. Yeah, yeah. We had a guy come up and Chris kind of was talking to him a couple times. And he was like, "Yeah, yeah. So you're still here, huh?" And uh, the guy, I think the guy kept on hearing Chris say, "You're still here." And the guy's like, "Yeah, I'm not going anywhere, buddy. Strap on in." And uh, so it was kind of uh, it was that was kind of interesting. You know, wrestling fans. We all kind of look like the wrestling fans you expect, except we shower. Um, but uh, you know, it it did did happen that, uh, you know, there's, is quite a, when, you know, I might be an average sized person showing up at these events, uh, there's quite some big people that are showing up and it's sweaty. So it was, it was like the atmosphere was really, really amazing. But by the end of the night, I might've lost five pounds. So it's good. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think uh, my my big takeaway, and uh, I agree with everything that you guys are saying, was um, how crazy it was. And there's no in and outs when you're at the uh, the events. So um, gradually, I just remember us walking through the door and saying, "Oh my God, there's AC," and then that <laughs> AC just gradually dissipated over the next six hours to the point where you just knew that by the time you were getting home, like you couldn't crawl into bed. You were just sticky and gross. And, um, but with that, all that being said, I mean, you, you kind of got to the venue, we got in there. Um, the one thing I will say that I was slightly disappointed at is just that the merch at the venue is pretty terrible. It's all, it's all event related. And I think we all really wish that there was, um, more, um, more merch that were for the wrestlers because I think we would have bought stuff if it was there and I think they would have done a really good job if they were able to bring it across but uh, that's two uh, events now that uh, we've been to where they don't uh, it's been event specific merchandise which is not really for us right um, let's not forget yeah, that like, Josh uh, Josh got stopped at security for a full gold cigar cutter that's true <laughs> very true almost uh, almost didn't get in but Josh was gonna throw it out anyways if he didn't so it wasn't a big deal I think Josh it, it looked more than ten dollars but I think he said it was ten dollars correct <laughs> exactly yeah the guy looked at me and he's like what's this I'm like just throw it away I don't care let's go <laughs> we're, we're, we want to watch the show like let's get in there so um, for those that don't know if you ever go to a pay-per-view and you actually get there and you kind of think of the pre-show and you especially if it's an A&W pay-per-view expect to be there for six hours because that's how long we were there for which was uh, I think from the time the doors opened at six to by the time we left at 12 30 12 35 I mean that's a six and a half hour day and um, man and it, it's um, it's kind of a it was emotionally draining it was uh, super pumped up I got a lot of videos and stuff and I actually got a I put a, one of the videos with uh, Danielson on tiktok and it's got like a thousand views right now which is kind of crazy um awesome. for the the final countdown intro and uh yeah it uh, beats my other ones by 978 views so which is uh oh, nice. which is a good thing not that we're view mongers but uh it's just kind of interesting how it went through but um yeah just a long day of great wrestling and uh you know what if it ever came back and we could ever do it again and do the pay-per-view i think our tickets i think josh you said they were around 200 bucks i mean it, i thought the price range was fair i think you guys did as well like for an event like yeah. that would like it was just great and we were closer to the top we were might have been on camera at a glance a couple times, but, um, you know, it, it was a really good show. So, um, you know, if you ever get a chance to do this and you're ever worried about the money, just buckle down, save up and do it. It's worth it. You, you get to kind of have a bonding experience with your buddies. And, and it was a complete blast from uh, from top to finish. And I think it'll be something that uh, it's something I can check off my bucket list. I don't know about you guys, but. 
Well, I mean, everybody was standing at so many points. You're all you're looking around you. Everyone's standing like even the Kenny Omega match, like any everybody would just stand. It was it was it felt I think I, I think I mentioned this to you guys. I said at times it feels like we're in Japan, right? Because it would go yeah. really silent. And then you'd hear the slow kind of build up and then there'd be the oh, and that's I think that, I mentioned that to you guys. Like it almost feels like a Japanese crowd in between. A, a rowdy crowd. It's crazy. It was that's, crazy. That's smart, Mark Canadian fans for you, though, right? Like, boo the boo the yeah. shit out of the faces and <laughs> cheer <laughs> on the heels, right? So, speaking yeah, of heels, I also yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Josh. Before we get in, sorry, into I I was gonna say I also think that like we've been conditioned to watch like WWE wrestling where they like pipe in sound, and you almost don't think that there's ever silence when you're when those matches are going on. But being live, it's hard to have that type of like sound going on in the full match so i like i really appreciated it being there live because they're you needed to have the downtime you don't expect to hear cheering when they're laying on the mat like you do in wwe because they're just piping that sound in yeah for sure and i think like it was it's really odd i think one of the other experiences it's really odd that not i think you guys mentioned it before the before we started the uh the pod it's like not hearing the announcers and then you actually go back and watch it and then you're listening to them talk and it's like well, this is kind of odd. Like it's uh, it's uh, you know kind of what you were saying, Josh. Like telling the story, right? And like talking about all the things that have kind of gone on before you get to that point. So, um, yeah, it was it, it was it's really unique, and it's uh, such a such a, a great experience. I won't forget it uh, anytime soon. Anyways, so I think honestly, I've had the final countdown stuck in my head for six days. <laughs> like so, let's go Europe, right? But if you um, think about the last time we were all together watching a wrestling event, we had a really great time. Was ROH? Like that yeah, was for sure. So it's like we've never we've never gotten together to watch a WWE event. <laughs> we've we've gotten together and we've had a blast every time at the Ted Ted Reeve grown ass man center. Oh fuck yeah, Ted! Oh the Ted Reeve Center. That's a good. That's a great. That's a good. That's. A, I think that's a story for another day. I think when we have <laughs> Kent. I think when we have Kent on the show as a guest, I think that's what we'll talk about on that day when we do it. Yeah, that makes sense. But so a little little teaser, a little foreshadowing there for you. You you got it. So okay, we're gonna we got about um, probably about nine matches to go through. Some some matches will probably talk longer than others. Uh, the opening match of the night, um, obviously, we're not gonna go through the uh, kind of the pre-show stuff. Um, you can kind of if you want to check that out, you can check that out on numerous sites. But um, first big one, obviously, started off with our AEW World Heavyweight Champion uh, Maxwell Jacob Freeman uh, against Hiroshi Tanahashi. Um, so we got a little fun game that we're gonna play here, and I hope the guys aren't haven't cheated and looked. I mean, uh, I think there's maybe one one match that we'd look here, but we're going to compare what their scores are to the <coughs> Dave Meltzer scale when we look at this. So um, when we go through this match, we talk about MJF and Tanahashi. Um, I know that we all popped for MJF when he came in. Everybody went crazy. Um, but, Josh, what were your thoughts about this match overall? And, uh, you know, seeing um, somebody in, from New Japan that you've never seen before, but albeit a little bit older in, uh, in Tanahashi. Yeah, uh, you know what, I, I have seen Tanahashi, I think he's in, been in AEW a couple times before, but uh, he happened to be on collision the night before, and then you watch the match, and he looked real rough, and you know, he's kind of got that bow-legged run, and I, I enjoyed when MJF kind of, you know, did a throwback to that, and you know, when MJF tried to leave the match, classic heel, trying to get the fans against him, and Toronto's a smart crowd, so they like cheer him when he comes in, and they, they boo him when he wants them to boo him, so it's like, you know, they kind of play the game. But, uh, yeah, it was a good match. I think that, like, you know, 
for the opener, it was a solid opener. I, I don't think I would have wanted to see this close the, close the night, but uh, I, I think that, you know, like it was like a three, three and a half out of five, maybe at the most. Like it gave you what you wanted, but it wasn't like, it, it wasn't, you weren't going to expect it was a banger. And, you know, MJF cheating to win, classic. That's exactly what I want to see. Keeping up his heel and, you know, it makes me happy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Max uh, did uh, did a lot of stuff, and I think it's kind of funny with, um, you know, there was a lot of uh, NJPW fans in the crowd that were really pro-Tanahashi um, when we were there, and um, but that didn't take away really the, the luster of... Um, of having Max in the arena and, you know, him giving the fingers and, you know, doing his, his cheaty shit that he all does, you know, that makes it kind of great. So, um, Chris, what were your thoughts on, uh, on MJF and, uh, seeing him live? Like, did you, did he meet your uh, expectations for what a world champion is when watching him? Yeah, he, he sure did. And I wish I, I have a little hat tip and I, I read this from somebody I didn't like until I kind of watched back a few MJF things, uh, over the last few days, is that they're saying how good he is at um, like yelling so that the whole the whole crowd can hear him. Like you don't you hear that during his matches. We heard him when he was yelling all the way where we were, and that's that's cool. That's a, a cool thing to bring you into it. Um, and you know I'm I'm pretty big on entrances, so that was one of my favorites. I like I like his entrance a lot. Um, I think it's I think it's a pretty safe call getting him on the car with Tanahashi and then starting them first. I thought that was probably a really good call because you can't, yeah, like Josh was saying, you can't put that match at the end of the night. But it was a way to get MJF on the card, like Matt was saying. And, and like, that's it's kind of like what Tony Khan's doing. Is he's, he's, putting it, he's putting it all out there right now. Yeah, I think Tony as a booker uh, did a, it, it must be, I'm not going to say that it isn't. It's got to be really hard to try and put these things together. Um, when we get down to the later matches, I'll have some comments when we come down. But I actually really like that this match was uh, the start because this is a match where you kind of felt where you already knew what the outcome was. Especially when, when Josh and I agreed when we watched, uh, I think it was Collision, uh, when we watched him on Collision. And his knee, Tanahashi's knee looked like blown out. Like he has the big brace on it. He's a little bit heavier than he was. Um, he's getting older, and that's fair. I mean, if if you ever go back and watch uh, Tanahashi matches, you know, ten years ago, he's he, he was unbelievable, and it, it, his drawing power, and for what he has in Japan, and and not to mention Japan, but fans around the world, he's he's just a, he's a great guy, and he's a great face of that company. I don't know if he's the full face anymore, but um, he was the face of that company for a good ten, fifteen years, right? So, and I could be wrong on that because I I haven't watched NJPW going back that way, but um, I. I I was happy with his performance. I thought his performance in the pay-per-view was much better than it was on Collision. And uh, Chris, what did you give the rating for that? Did you give a rating for that match? Oh, what do sorry. You think no, I, no, I didn't. Um, what, Josh said three and a half? Yeah. I'm going to say three. Three, three and a half. I'm going to say three. Well, um, so when we go to the Meltzer scale, when we look at Meltzer's rating, you guys are actually on both sides of it. He actually gave it three and a quarter stars. <laughs> there so, we go. Pretty good. Pretty good. Not bad. Not bad for the first one, boys. Um, okay, the second match kind of kind of interesting when we go through this one too because there was a lot of a lot of uh, as we like to use in the business and Chris's favorite thing there was a lot of a lot of heat in the second match we had an, uh, a no one heart tournament match with uh, everybody's uh, Toronto's favorite CM Punk <laughs> and uh, going against Satoshi Kojima 
um, who's, um, you know, kind of like Tanahashi. He's an older guy um, from NJPW, but uh, like still in really, really good shape and uh, kind of had um, a little bit of a crazy match. So, Chris, I'm going to get you to start this one off. What do you think the rating was? And uh, what are your thoughts of watching um, an older wrestler like Kojima um, against uh, pretty much one of the, the biggest money draws in the industry right now? Was I in the washroom during that one? I, I don't know. I mean, I can't remember. <laughs> you, no, you weren't, because I remember you were standing with us, and you were talking about how uh, how much heat there was, because that's why I brought up the word heat. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so I was there. Uh, it was a good night. I had a good night, so let's let's. there's going to be a lot of this. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, it was an okay match. I thought the one thing, and well, like I don't have much to say about it. I don't know. I'm not a huge punk fan. But the one thing I really like about Punk is, and I, I saw it in a couple videos, again, I was watching some, because after the buzz of this, you just want to watch wrestling. So I watched a lot of wrestling, but it's the way Punk stares at, stares at the hard camera just the right way almost every time. Like, he'll have blood on his face, and he stares right into that hard camera. So I feel like that was one of the things we got taken away from us being there live. But uh, to me, it was just cool seeing Punk. Like, yeah, I... I'd seen a few. We've but we've all seen some wrestling shows, but I've I don't know. I've never never seen CM Punk before, and that was kind of right right at the tail end when I was getting back into it. So to get the chance to see that again was was cool. I still boot the shit out of him, of course. But <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what 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 did you rate the match out of uh, based on the star scale? Oh, two point seven five. Two point seven five. All right. Um. Josh, you know, we, we've, we've talked a lot about CM Punk and uh, obviously uh, one of the big things, even when you watch it back and uh, you watch, uh, watch the show back, um, maybe on video and you actually watch it, they say, basically CM Punk, you're not in Chicago anymore and it's true that he wasn't. So what were your thoughts about, uh, about watching Punk, especially live and especially, you know, um, since he's been injured, um, this is probably what his uh, second match back and how do you think he looked and uh, did, it, did it meet the requirements of what you thought it was for a CM Punk match? Yeah, so I mean, since CM Punk's come back, I think that like, I, I'm not impressed with the work that he's done in the ring. It's not to say, I just don't think he's had the time in the ring yet. He kind of looks like he's rusty. Um, I do know what the rank of this match was from uh, Meltzer because I kind of saw it. But uh, it. I thought that the reason that he might have rated this match the way he did was because of how into it the fans were. And I think that the fan reaction really plays off on like how the match flow goes. And CM Punk was getting booed and he was playing into that, but he was also getting some slight cheers. So it was like, okay, it was kind of like he was he was like a tweener, but like for sure on the heel side during the match. But uh, it was it was good. It was just a heavy-hitting match, but I just didn't really find it was like a technically, like a, a wrestling match that I technically enjoyed. Um, I'm not super keen on CM Punk uh, either, but uh, you know how I feel about the whole thing. I think it's all a work. I think that, you know, eventually it's going to lead to wherever we go with the elite, but... Uh, I, that would be inter more interesting to me than this match was. Um, it's kind of interesting to see that like most of the a the NJPW people coming over are all like older guys, and I would have been interested to see some younger NJPW wrestlers because maybe they would have something else to show. But I like the strong style, so it's good. But I ranked this match at three. 
What you rank it out of the three? I actually thought, you know what, believe it or not, when it comes to CM Punk, and uh, I, I, I'm i kind of in between with CM Punk. Like, I'm kind of, I, I was a really big fan of his in WWE. I was a really big fan when he came over, and I'm not to say that the incident really soured me on him, but I, I'd say his, his in-running ability after seven years was not going to be the same as it was the seven years before, and I don't think that when he came back, I had a feeling that that was going to happen. Um, and you know what? I was fully prepared for it, so it didn't really take me back a lot when the the technicality of his wrestling or the you know the the movement speed uh, stuff that happens with age was kind of affected by that it hasn't changed anything that he's done in regards to promos it hasn't changed anything that he 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 does in regards to fan reaction he said it best you can love me or you can hate me and he doesn't bat an eye when either one happens and that's very rare i mean you know what you watch somebody that's face that turns heel and it almost doesn't seem believable in a lot of cases i mean um you know it's kind of like you can refer to jungle boys promo on dynamite i mean it wasn't uh i don't think i think he did a pretty good job but there was a couple points when you were kind of in that promo where i didn't really believe what he was saying and i was like you know what that that's gonna come with time but with punk it wasn't a problem but i think we negate the fact here that punk literally carried a 50-year-old man in the ring and actually made it a decent match. So I, I obviously have the, the number scales in front of me. I would have rated the match probably about a 3.5 or a 3.75. I wouldn't agree, but Meltzer actually had it at a 4. And uh, I would agree with both things that you said. Josh, in regards to fan reaction, and Chris, if I think you missed it because you, 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 know, you had a couple adult beverages there. Um, mm -hmm. A couple, I probably think at that point you were at seven. Um, and uh, they put that hard camera right up on the main screen. So he actually, when they got him and he was actually punching, uh, when he were, they were punching uh, um, Kojima in the head, he was actually saying, let's go Kojima and just punching him in the head, which was absolutely right to your point about the hard camera. He's unbelievable with the hard camera, right? Yeah, I, pr I probably missed that part, I guess, then. Yeah, it's, it's, you know what? Nobody is going to deny from that pay-per-view that you did not have a good time. <laughs> you had <laughs> the best time out of all of us there, I think. Um. <clears throat> now coming into a, a, a real treat when I get to talking about it, and you guys uh, will we'll kind of go through a little bit, but um, we'll talk about the international championship, which was Orange Cassidy coming in with the championship, and he's held that championship for what feels like 47 years um, against uh, Daniel Garcia, Katsuyori Shibata, and uh, probably something that uh, was unbelievable to watch in a, in a wrestler that I've been looking forward to watching years in Zack Sabre Jr. Um, so... We'll talk a little bit about match ratings. Um, Chris, out of all the, the things, we've watched Orange Cassidy for a long time. Um, we've talked about Orange Cassidy on the pod. Um, what was it like to watch him live? Was it, it, was it something that was better than watching him on TV, or is TV uh, a better suited avenue to watch Orange Cassidy? Hmm. I'm being I, I have to think about that one. I have to think about Because he might have been... It, it, when his music hit, that might it might have been my biggest pop of the night, to because like when you just the way it hit, the way it hit, I I sent a video and I sent it back to my wife who who watches with me a little bit, but uh, I'm just like, look at this and I don't know you you come to respect Orange Cassidy so much because he's such a workhorse like he's he's out there every single week busting his ass and he's winning and he's winning because like Tony believes in him, so you can keep him there and so I kind of. I don't think I, I think I appreciated him more after I saw him live than I do than I did just seeing him on, 
on on uh, on TV because as soon as his music hit, I'm like, oh, I didn't think I was. This isn't this isn't how I thought I was gonna feel when he came out, right? Because yeah. I'm like, yeah, I like Orange Cassidy, sure, yeah, yeah. But he came out, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Kind of opened my eyes. Not that they need to be open, but just it uh, it brought me to that next level of of being a fan of him. Great, uh, and and sorry, did you have something to add? Or yeah, was, uh, the rest of the match, I thought it was a great match. Like, I mean. Um, I've seen Zack Sabre Jr. I've watched him for a few years and I've never got to see uh, I just get to see him live and yeah it was, it was a great match but yeah I think my biggest takeaway was that I became bigger a bigger fan of Orange Cassidy than I already was that's uh, that's awesome you know and I would agree that it's one of the biggest pops of the night and I think you know what he is a workhorse and it almost it, it almost angers me that he's not one of the pillars of AEW like it really after watching him live and seeing all the stuff that he does because he really does uh, he carries the opening of the shows majoritively for Dynamite or for Rampage if he's wrestling either or he's not the main event he's always the beginning of the show because that's what's getting the crowd on their feet right um Josh, I got a little bit of a weird question for you. Um, I know that we're not probably going to talk about maybe Daniel Garcia and Katsuyori Shibata a little bit uh, as much. Uh, Katsuyori Shibata is obviously the uh, the ROH. I believe he's the ROH pure champion right now. Um, but I just really wanted to know, as somebody who did not watch a lot of NJPW, I know you watched that match in its entirety. And what were your honest thoughts on watching Zack Sabre Jr. for the first time? I give it a 3.5 before Josh starts. Sorry about that. Okay. No, thanks. That's great. Um, so it's funny because I, I didn't actually write anything about, like I, I did write a few notes and I didn't write anything about Zack Sabre Jr. Not to say that there wasn't anything to write home about him. I think this match was, you know, one of the best three matches on the, the card overall because of just of all the highlights and spots. But um, it was quite impressive the way that the whole match worked. And I was impressed with Zack Sabre Jr., uh, I think one of my favorite moments of the match was when Daniel Garcia was dancing, you know, like and he was doing his kind of like Daniel Garcia thing and like being the the, the sports entertainer. And, you know, it, it's it's funny because like, you know, he's doing a good job when you hate his guts. And like the more I hate his guts, the more I like him, because when he's when he's doing his dance and doing that thing, you're like, yeah, OK, I like that. And um, so I just thought. You know the match overall was was fantastic. Zach Sabre Jr. I I I you know I wasn't paying as much attention to him because he wasn't uh, someone that I know know as well about. Um, but I was impressed with the whole match overall, and it seems like they they kind of got more of a story with the three title holders in that match. You know more with maybe there's going to be some crossover there. Uh, but uh, I totally agree with Chris Orange Cassidy. Great uh, great entrance, and I think. I can't wait to watch him turn. I would love to see him turn fit, heel just because I think like it would just be funny to see him do it. He's probably not going to do it, but I'd love oh, to see Canada. it. Oh, Canada. All us Canadians love the heels. Eh? It's great. Yeah, I, I think it would be absolutely interesting. My take on this match is I thought for a four-way it was pretty organized. Um, but probably the biggest thing that I, uh, that I took away other than the match itself um, was... It's really hard to argue after watching Zack Sabre Jr. to deny the fact that he's the best technical wrestler on the planet. 
He's better than Danielson from what I watched there. He's better than, you know, like you talk about Will Ospreay and how like him and him and Omega can, you know, connect. Will like Zack Sabre Jr. can connect with any single wrestler on the planet. He's got crazy submission holds. He's the best mat wrestler, in my opinion, on planet fucking Earth. Um, it was such a treat to watch it, and um, I watched it again, and it wasn't probably a match. It's probably one of the other matches that when I went back after I uh, bought the pay-per-view and watched it, I just watched him, and, and it, it was just, it was uh, made me smile, man. Like, just, it, you don't see that anymore. You don't see the Bret Hart's, and, you know, as, uh, you know, they talk about Chris Benoit being the best technical wrestler in the world, but you don't see that Matt wrestling anymore. And he, his, his submission holds are just so unique. His pin combinations are things that I've never seen before. I probably saw five things that he did in that match that I've never seen in my entire life. And I've, I've watched a few matches with him, but, um, you know, it's just, it's, it was just such a treat to watch it. And, uh, you know, it's it's great to see somebody like Shibata. I know that we haven't talked about him at all, but you know, Shibata who had a really bad neck injury, um, basically was forced to retire, and then kind of like clawed his way back to try to get his neck back into shape, and now he's back doing what he loves, and um, and he did not look out of place. So um, I thought that match was great. Um, personally, I believe I think with Orange Cassidy that we uh, we got to find somebody to take the title off him. I think my personal pick would be hopefully I'd love to see Miro do it. Uh, do something like that and take it off him again. I think that would be unique and then have like a really good story with Miro if that's even possible. But um, I don't know. Uh, it's uh, but he's a Cassidy's a workhorse. Uh, and uh, Josh, did you give a rating for that match or did you already see that one? That no, one? I didn't. It's, so it's, I gave it a four. Well, Josh, Josh Meltzer, ladies and gentlemen, because Dave Meltzer also gave it a four. So bang on, Josh. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, Perfect. and I think it was in a good spot on the pay per view too. So it was, uh, it was, it, it worked out. Sweet. All right. So uh, Orange Cassidy retained in that match, and uh, from there we moved into something kind of uh, unique for NJPW. Um, the World Heavyweight Champion is uh, Sonata. Sonata for those uh, for those that don't know NJPW very much, a lot of a lot of wrestlers have to do a, a, a pilgrimage at some point. Um, Sonata actually picked the United States and actually did a lot of work with TNA and Impact. Um, especially wrestling a lot in the the uh, the World X Cup and in a lot of stuff, and he actually spent probably about a good two years um, traveling the United States for his pilgrimage before he went back uh, to New Japan and uh, he joined uh, Los Ignorables de de Japón, right? So um, now he's the uh, he's the World Heavyweight Champion over there. Um, and uh, probably going into the shock of the night, playing going against Jack Perry. So. Um, Josh, we're all going to talk about the elephant in the room. Hook came out with, with Jungle Jack. And then all of a sudden, the turn happened. What do you think? Do you think it was a good turn for him to turn heel now? And do you think it's, a good, uh, it's going to be good for his career moving forward? Yeah, I think it's been a long time coming since he was with Christian. You know, they're kind of playing that off where he needs to, he needs to get more uh, aggressive and more uh, ruthless. And I think it was a good turn. I think that the the clothesline was quite weak that he he moved on Hook. I kind of wish he would have given Hook more of a beatdown. You know, the the one hit on Hook and knocking him out, and then Hook's down for quite a time, quite quite a bit of time. Kind of did undersold it for me. I think that like if you're gonna do a turn of that magnitude with such a big baby face, that you might as well like make it happen where he and is like even the more aggressive. Shit out of him, eh? Exactly. Yeah, like you know, no, not John Moxley level stomps, but uh, a little bit better. Uh, but I think the turn was. The turn was the best part of the match overall. I think the match was okay, but it wasn't. 
as fulfilling for me. I'd probably give it like a, a 2.3, like a two and three quarters, maybe three. Um, but I think that the turn was the most important part of that story. So. Well, and, and I have to agree. I mean, I, I, I did not see Jack Perry beating Sonata for the title. I definitely did not. Um, and uh, I, I don't know if those two styles really mesh well for me. But, um, Chris, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I don't know. You, you were a big impact guy. I don't know how much you remember about watching Sonata. But what did you, how did you feel about watching Sonata live? Like, do you think that he meets the expectation as, a, as the IWGP heavyweight champion? Um, yeah. I, I mean, I... I when you went mentioned the World X Cup, it kind of like it, it makes it because I, I would watch Impact back in the day when it first started. It was on was it on TNT or something, and then you could watch it. So that actually makes me a little nostalgic about that. Um, Sonata, have I seen a lot of Sonata? No, so so I can't can't really speak to that. But uh, I don't know. Again, like Josh said, the the big thing about that match was was the turn at the end. I think not that it overshadowed the match. Like it was obviously. A good match but um i think it does kind of did take precedence because it's it's you're building a storyline for strictly AEW in that case so i mean it did kind of overshadow it um match overall uh say three three uh Meltzer gave it three and three quarters guys yeah i was pretty surprised by that i i, I just looked um after but i the other thing that i remember with the match was that like the finish was weird you know, like, I, I didn't feel like the finish, and maybe it's because I don't know what Sonata's finishing move was, but, like, it wasn't the finish on a on a moonsault, and it was just, like, I don't know, it kind of came out of nowhere, and it felt like the wind was already out of the crowd when it happened, so it, I just didn't have a good crescendo to get to the finish. Yeah, I, I felt like the, uh, the the rise was there to get to that, get to this, uh, kind of like that, it's kind of like reading a book, it's like getting to the climax of the story, right? But I think at the end of it, when you get to it, it just kind of it happened too soon and it, it just felt weird. And, and I think what they were trying to make was the climax of the story was basically the, the heel turn. Right. Um, but I think at the end of the day, what it should have really kind of po- pushed was, um, you know, Jack's inability to win title matches. And I think uh, for a singles title anyways. And I think that's a storyline that we could potentially see that comes through. I didn't think the match was terrible. It just the storyline there is just they're they're forbidden door is not going to have much of a story. Let's face it. Um, and that's part of it as well. So it's hard to be engaged when you're kind of like, OK, I don't really know a ton about Sonata. Like I don't watch a lot of Sonata. Like, I mean, I think there's better, better IWGP champions than Sonata is. I'm not saying that he's terrible. I'm not saying that he's a bad wrestler at all. I'm just saying that I think like there's probably for face of the company. There's probably a few guys that are way ahead of him. And then you're kind of watching the same thing with with Jack Perry. I find that their their styles are are interrelated, but they didn't really mesh well. And um, I just think that that's that's just the way it is. It happens sometimes, and it, it happened in on the last Forbidden Door card too. It's part of it. Um, but I think we we're all at the consensus that the heel turns the big the big moment here. And uh, I think if you haven't, if people are watching this pod and you you really missed. Uh, you know jack perry's original um you know first heel promo i think you should go back and watch it there's uh spots where it's kind of choppy but overall i think there's a lot of good shit that he said and he was actually pretty engaging when he did it um so and i also think it's a great filler match in the middle i think tony booked it in the right spot having it right in the middle because it set up our next match really well which the next match was the elite Nettie kingston and tomohiro ishii uh against the blackpool combat club 
which was, you know, pretty, pretty enamored for us because that's been a story, an ongoing story. And we know that if you've uh, kind of watched Dynamite after Forbidden Door, we're going to be going into uh, basically an elite and BCC uh, blood and guts, which is going to be pretty insane because usually those are pretty, pretty nutty when we go through and do them. But overall, for an eight man tag, um, what do you guys think? Okay. I'm, not, I'm not with like, how do you think the performance was? I mean, obviously, the kind of weird thing here I thought was that obviously Eddie Kingston picked Ishii as the partner and then Ishii actually won the match. So, Chris, um, what, what are your thoughts about just the pairings of the uh, the two new people with the elite in regards with the Blackpool Combat Club in this match? Oh, I was uh, I was having way too much fun at this point, so. Only, only the big spots where you say, oh, it's pretty much where I tuned in. So it's it's hard to <laughs> kind of give you... remember from the match? That is probably what I should be asking you. Uh, a couple of the buck spots, a couple of my favorite spots where they do the roll through, body slam, and the moonsault after. Um, uh, Hangman Page, anytime he does a shooting star press or a moonsault, like it's, and to see it live was just, was just nuts. Um, that's about it. Four stars. Okay. So, uh, do you remember at this point when you were watching this match, what beer you were on? Oh, I don't know. I had, had about five underneath me. So I, was, I don't know. Might've been six or seven at that point. So at this point, when we're asking Chris questions, it's going to start to get a little foggy, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, me and Josh didn't, uh, didn't drink. <laughs> Well, I, I, I had like one drink, I think, but uh, Josh does not drink. So uh, one of the good things there is Josh could probably let us know. Josh, um, you kind of take this a little <laughs> bit uh, differently, but uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts of uh, the angle between Eddie Kingston and Mox? Did this overshadow the match at all? Uh, no, I think that this is just like the like part of the story to get them to eventually feud. Um, I, I thought the match was great. I, I really... If you ask me to pick a spot that I enjoyed the most, it'd be really hard because I feel like any match with the Elite and Blackpool Combat Club is just going to have spot after spot after spot. And in a 10-man tag match, the, some of the things that I don't like about the 10-man tag is that like there's not really much tagging going on and there's a lot of like running in and out of the match and it kind of takes the flow away from it considering like how much like the Blackpool Combat Club sells them as like this legit fighting thing and like you know and like AEW has the ROH crossover and they're you know like more of a supposed to be like more pure wrestling but they do a lot of like breaking the rules kind of stuff in the matches when there's like a big tag sometimes I just feel like they're rushing to spots but the match was phenomenal it just was like not as good of a storyline as a singles match would be but it was a pretty good storyline considering there was 10 people in that ring and the the biggest surprise I had for the match was that Ishii won the match, which was kind of surprising. I thought that, if anything, it was going to be Wheeler Yuta that was going to take the pin, or Ishii would take the pin just because to protect the other wrestlers. So I wasn't surprised that Wheeler Yuta was the one who took the pin, but I kind of would have thought that we would have seen like an Eddie Kingston uh, or Hangman Page uh, win for the Elite or John Moxley pin win. So I thought it was, it was amazing, um, but... Uh, yeah, just spot after spot after spot. It's really hard to pick out one spot that was just phenomenal. And that's one of my... Yeah, sorry to cut so you much... off there, Matt. Sorry. That's yep. uh, like what you're saying. Like, I'm surprised to see Ishii win. I'm surprised to see Orange Cassidy at such of a big ovation. That's one of the things I like most about AEW is that all of a sudden we're surprised again. Like, we're actually we're actually yeah. seeing things that are like, oh, we didn't see that happening. And 
And like for us as watching it now, we're so programmed to be to just know what's going to happen. And then so now when we see it, we're saying, oh, we're surprised. But I don't know. It's uh, I've, I've been been kind of embracing it lately and I really like it. Yeah. Yes. And Chris, so this is the only match that I got wrong on the night in the main like in the main card this is the only match that i predicted the black bull combat club to win every other match before the match you and i kind of said like who do you think is going to win and i was pretty i was perfect it's this was an easier card to tell because you know there's there's some a uh, few matches that you're for sure not going to have uh, you're going to see a winner like mjf for sure you know it's easy call yeah for sure i think when you're looking at this match you're going through i'd have to agree i think like that uh, that kind of that little um it, it just makes it a little bit more believable right and you're right, you're so conditioned to kind of mark and have an idea what it is. We kind of have a condition where you can look at a lot of matches now when you've been watching wrestling for years and years, and you're like, okay, this is probably what's going to happen. Um, but when we, get, uh, we, you know, when we get swept off our feet is when we kind of see things that we never thought possible or kind of like a Tiger Driver 91, which we'll talk about oh. in a few minutes. But, you know, you're looking at a lot of things like that. You just don't really you're just not really seeing right. Like on a regular basis, like I didn't predict Ishii would in that match. I thought I didn't even think any Kingston was going to win that match. I was with Josh. I actually thought the combat club was going to win. And I, th- I, I had a feeling because I was reading something about blood and guts and there's nobody else that you can put together other than the elite and Blackpool combat club. So I thought it made sense for the combat club to win here and then potentially have the elite win blood and guts. So um, but the spots were great. I, I really thought um, probably one of my standouts for the match was there's just so many stories going on. But um, Takesha did I thought did a great job. You know, you know, young guy put in a spot, a really big spot. You're now with Don Callis. You're in a big group. You're kind of like not really integrated into the Blackpool Combat Club, but you're kind of there. You're helping them out. And he just played it really well. Like the the, the back and forth he had with Ishii at one point where they were just kind of killing each other with forearms was great. Um, and I just thought he, he sold a lot of stuff. He took a lot of a lot of big hits. And uh, that match was just strong style at its best, right? And it's taking people that aren't necessarily strong style, like, you know, the Bucks, and, uh, you know, like, I think Paige is strong style, but, you know, a couple of the other guys um, there, like the Bucks and, you know, maybe Wheeler Yuta and actually seeing them actually institute strong style elements into this match was really good. Chris, what did you rate this match as, if you remember? 4.25. Okay, Josh, what'd you give it? Four and a half. All right, Meltzer had it at four and three quarters. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what he added at. So, right about the halfway point, um, we got a couple matches, uh, two really good matches and two matches that were kind of so-so. Um, next one that we're going to talk about is the AEW Women's Championship, which was Tony Storm and Willow Nightingale, which was kind of a, a shock. And the one question that I have for both of you, I'm actually going to kind of... Um, stop it because I, I i didn't really see the match i'm not gonna be i'm not gonna lie i was actually out i had to go take a piss and then i tried to get something to drink and then there was 15 people in line and i was pissed off and then um, basically it kind of cut into the next match which pissed me off even more because i thought it was going to be the second last match um but long story short here i want to bring up something um willow nightingale is the uh njpw strong women's champion but both of your thoughts this is probably a really important question if she does not get that title and mercedes monet was not injured was it mercedes monet in that spot in toronto that we would have got to see what do you guys think 
I think we Chris. I think we both have the same answer to that one. I think I think uh yeah, just like Tony opened up the purse strings for Final Countdown, Tony's going to open up the purse strings for that because it would have been huge. But you know what? Uh, as a replacement, Willow Nightingale wasn't upset. I, I thought, you know, I, I, I thought it was okay. I thought there's some pretty good spots in it. Um, I've been I've been kind of a little bit higher on, on the AEW's women product as, as of late. I thought it's been getting a little bit better. So... I mean, they had a big spot, and I, I, I think they did well. Good, Josh. What are your thoughts? You think Mercedes would have been there? Oh yeah, I think absolutely. Like, it, it, I think that was, you know, that would be the hope. And if her getting injured kind of puts size, you know, sours the grapes there. I think that Willow Nightingale was a fine replacement. To just think that, like, for Forbidden Door, she's already kind of AEW, you know, and it's not really making sense to me. The storyline doesn't really make sense. But it was a good match. Uh, it's just with the six hours of wrestling, it, it's this is this kind of this match was kind of the one that felt like it was like the least necessary. But I know it was very necessary to be in the match, and I think they both did a wonderful job. It just was like six hours of matches. It's like anything to have less time. And there was a couple matches that I would have cut, but I think that it they did a fine job. And Willow Nightingale Gale's like a, a great wrestler, so. Yeah, I don't think there was any worry here of a, again of a title change. I, I I didn't think Tony Storm was threatened. I I think they they're both fine. They're both representative. It seemed more like an exhibition match, um, but you know obviously uh, Tony Storm and the Outcast are trying to you know continuously uh, do whatever, and they're gonna try and get ready. Obviously we we're we're filming tonight on a Friday night, and that's one of the big matches on Rampage tonight is Ruby Soho and Britt Baker. So I think they're trying to get ready, um, you know, more for that stuff and and to try and see. And I think really. Tony Storm is honestly going to have her day at Wembley um, because I, I don't see it at any other way that it's Tony Storm versus Jamie Hayter at Wembley. <laughs> like, I just I don't see any other match coming in there. And I think uh, that'll be the day that Tony Storm loses her title, which will be then. Uh, but overall for that, Chris, what'd you rate that match from what you remember? Three. Josh, what'd you rate it? Two and three quarters. That got three and a quarter from Dave Meltzer. Okay. Now, I don't think we're going to have any argument here. <laughs> the next match after this was probably when you look back in, when you look back at, I was going to say in the annals of history, in the annals <laughs> of history, <laughs> this is probably going to go down as um, probably the best match we're ever going to see live, but probably all in all in history at this point, probably maybe one of the top what 50 matches of all time <laughs> from what we saw which was what we saw with kenny omega and will osprey for the iwgp united states title um i, I don't think i i don't think there's going to be any surprise here that this match was just fucking mind-blowing and i think you know what a few of us have actually gone back i've watched this match three times in the past week um just how good it was but um i i'm really anxious to hear what you guys have to say because i think that's uh the, the big one josh um I, I don't know how much you watched of Will Ospreay in the past. I know you've seen him probably on uh, AEW in his AEW time, but he's had a long story career. He's a British guy, long story career in NJPW. What was your thoughts of this match overall? Wow. It's, uh, it was just like the whole environment was just booming. And, you know, the entrances, uh, 
with Don, just the stuff with the Don Callis. And it was just like the psychology of the match was so good. And it was like the spots were huge. The moves were just amazing. But the storytelling was good. Uh, one of the biggest turning points for me in the match, I remember watching it live. And it was hard because like we're sitting on the camera on the, the heart where the we're facing the cameras. So a lot of the action's happening towards the camera. So you actually lose a little bit of it watching it live in a match like this because they're performing to the camera. And but when when he when Will Osprey took Kenny Omega's head and smashed it into the desk, and you saw him take that that shot right on the forehead, and you know that it's you know he's probably protected because it's not that hard of a surface. But you don't see spots like that very often in wrestling where they actually take the bump in the head. And, you know, all props go out to both of these guys in the, this match because the bumps they took, they're going to be feeling for a long time. Um, and, you know, one of the other big moments uh, when Will Ospreay hit Kenny Omega's finisher, the one-winged angel, and, and Kenny kicked out at one, the crowd was just booming. It was just like you couldn't... It, like, you know, because no one kicks out of the one-winged angel, but Kenny Omega sure fucking does. And uh, the one the one downside of the match, and I, I was reading an article about this, is, you know, they use, they use the ref throwout of the, of, uh, in, in the, the women's match with Soraya and Ruby Soho. So when they threw a Don Callis, it kind of had some of the steam was already taken out of the fans for the throwout. And then when he came back, it didn't really make any sense. But I just watched the match again now. And when the announcers were selling it, they were selling like Don Callis is going to get fine, and you know they were they were selling it because the the, the match was actually Japan the, the new Japan rules, so the referee actually had some more leniency with the way that he let things go, and so that kind of made it more sellable to me when if you were watching it on TV, but live it kind of took a little bit of steam out of the match, um, but holy crap, it didn't matter because like that that spot needed to happen, and it was for sure you know, the best match we'll ever see live. And if we see it, you know, if we have a chance to see these two guys wrestle again, uh, sign me up. I'll pay any kind of money to watch that. It was, you know, <laughs> six six plus seven stars. Uh, if you saw it live, uh, seven plus stars for me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, Chris, so Josh, Josh summed up the whole match. And I, uh, I know that you were playing around with a broken door. Um, and that's okay. Fans can't, the people, uh, the people that are listening to the podcast don't know that, but we fucking know that because we're watching each other on camera, the hard camera. Oh, they know, they know. Josh pointed out the door months ago. (laughs) Yes. But, um, so I'm going to kind of take this a different route with you because we all agree that this is the best match we ever saw. I want to talk about the tiger driver 91 and so and a couple of the spots in the matches like with the um kind of just stuff with the with that were really involving necks and when we talk about wrestler longevity we're kind of talking in the media scrum and there's a couple different things i watched the whole media scrum all two hours of it on tuesday night and daniel bryan had his say about the tiger driver and saying how dangerous it was in his own words and Will Ospreay also talked about it as well a little bit in his press conference when he went through. My question to you is basically kind of Daniel Bryan's thought process here. Did that Tiger Driver 91 have to happen? And for those that don't know what a Tiger Driver 91 is, if you don't look it up, it's basically a guy getting dropped on his neck from three feet. Okay, so did that make the match better? 
Because that's uh, that's what everybody's trying to think right now. Did that Tiger Driver 91 make the match better? Or was the storytelling so good throughout the 40 minutes that they didn't have to do that move? Okay, so for me, do I think it was needed? No, uh, especially with the risk taken to it. I, don't, I think we've seen who invented that and he would just drop people on their necks. They wouldn't know. Um, like that was that's really old school Japan. Like that's that's where that came from. But I don't know. Those two guys, if they're two guys that I could imagine being together to be able to pull it off, to not get hurt. In that case, I am for it. But uh, it's so risky. It's just so risky. Like, what's do you really need to do it? It's like uh, we're not going to talk about it today, but even even with what Sting just did is like, is that do they do we really need to see that? Sure. As soon as he brought him up, I knew it was coming. And I was I was out of my seat. Like I was I'm like, oh, my God, like this is going to happen. But is it necessary? It's such a dangerous move unless it's unless you pull it off. Like you don't have another chance. Like it's not going to be like I can botch this. And if you botch that, somebody might somebody might be paralyzed. So, I mean, Kenny took it the exact way. The only way you can take that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, like, for me, I, I didn't, I personally didn't think that they needed it, but I think you're right. I think when you think about it now, if you think of two people that could do it, it's definitely them. And then I rewatched it a couple times, and you can kind of watch how the move, how the move's supposed to be taken when you watch it. And you can kind of watch the way that he kind of, kind of drops them and kind of stalls, and it's supposed to hit the side of your head. But I also think that when you're kind of looking at that strong style in JPW, and let's say you were brought up as a young lion, or you go over there, like, there must be so much neck work that they do. <laughs> Like, because strong style really does fuck up your neck. Like, even if you think of, like, hardcore, like, Stan Hansen lariats and, you know, buckshot lariats that they take and they land on their head or even even poison ranas, stuff like that. Poison ranas, people are getting lazy. They're not taking them right on the head anymore, which is probably a good thing. But, you know, I think, like, when you're looking at moveset, I, I would have to agree with you. I think, like, it, it really is, like, those would be the two guys that would be able to do it if anybody could do it, especially after fucking 35 minutes of high intensity wrestling like that's where that's where i think i get scared i think about myself if you ever you know worked out and did a really hard workout and then had to do your heaviest lift at the end especially if it was 220 to 250 pounds and you're responsible for not breaking their neck that's where it gets a little crazy for me when you start thinking about it but um yeah the this ma that match was unbelievable and i think like what i'm going to talk about is a little bit different which is tony's booking i personally thought and i think after we talked like this should have been the main event yeah can i jump in this right before you event. get into it yeah sorry, yeah, sorry about before. that um i just what i want to know is like did they bring that to booking did they bring that move and say we want to do it and we think we can do it and so that's because it's it'd be weird like would it would an agent come out with that say why don't we do a tiger driver 91 right here i don't think they went to booking with it at all i don't think there was a case where that would be the scenario i think they just worked it in and just said let's work it in and get to our spots and that's it and whatever it takes to get to our main spots are the main spots right like the screwdriver and and uh you know the the steps and you know uh you know kenny getting his head bashed in like really hard on the uh on the, uh, amazing, the announce table amazing. and then on the ring like and it was well done you could tell there was some padding underneath it when you watch it again but it was still fucking it looked real when we were there i was like holy fuck you know so um i think for me i think that this match should have main evented i think when you kind of looked at it i think it was um 
you know, it was kind of a, a detriment to the next two matches that we're going to talk about. Um, especially the spot, like, when they were going through, and you talked about the storytelling, the spot where at the beginning of the match during Will Ospreay's entrance, it was Will Ospreay versus Canada, and then taking the Canadian flag from the plant, and then fucking rubbing his nose, rubbing his junk all over it. Like, it was fucking, like, all the Canadians were super pissed, and those kids, uh, the, then they, they had the video of those two kids that were giving them shit, and then that just even added to the match even more. Like, there was just so many crazy things that happened that just made the match so much better <laughs> when you kind of rewatch it a, a second time. But it just, it was... um. I don't know. It was just like it was a fucking it was a fireball full of greatness is what it was. So, I mean, uh, kudos to them. Those are two of the best wrestlers on the on planet Earth. Will Ospreay gets his revenge in a way and kind of finally gets over on Kenny Omega and, and takes the title back to New Japan, where now he can kind of run with the ball, which is something that he's never had before. And I think, you know what, both of these guys, too, they're getting older. Um, I think if we're going to have to see them and they go again, we're going to have to see them in the next two years because I don't think there's going to be much, much, much more. I don't think these guys are going to go for another 10 years. Like, there's just no way after with matches like that. I don't think it's in them to do it. No. Um, and that's not a knock on them. It's just no. that's just what your body takes going through those fucking matches, right? So, anyway. Did they do Wembley? You think? I don't. They probably. I think uh, uh, Osprey was saying in the media scrum that if he's if he gets invited to do Wembley, he's there in a second. And he said, and he even said to Tony right to Tony's face, he goes, Tony, if I'm not invited or there's issues with me going, I said Wembley's 40 minutes from my house. I'm I will be there as a fan. He said I'll buy a ticket and be there. And then Tony's like, well, we'll give you tickets, like <laughs> you know. So I hope so. Like, but. <laughs> But I think like there's no there's no way that he shouldn't be on the card in some way, shape, or form. If it's not Kenny Omega, um, it should be somebody else. It's gonna. But, I mean, it, that match was so good, you could see that rematch happening. But that's gonna be fucking. They're gonna be out till Christmas if that happens again. It's gonna Especially be. There. It's it's their biggest show of all. It's their wrestling. They have to do it again. Like it's. Yeah, it's a trilogy. You know, I think you know that, those two are gonna get together and they're gonna be like, let's make this better than the last one. Yeah, and I think and I think it's worth it for I I, I can't remember is that the second match or is it is that the was that the second. trilogy match? That's no, the second, second match. Yeah, so makes sense for me. Fuck, I'm down. I said fuck if I uh, Chris, if we can win on the slots, we'll go. We'll we'll, we'll take the flight. And go. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I want to say that I that was the I thought the the uh, was it sorry it's the Tiger Driver ninety one or Liger Driver uh, Tiger Tiger Driver ninety one. So I thought that was a botch, and then when I was watching it again, because I was like, there's no way he just drops him on his head like that, oh, and I'd yeah. never seen the move before, and so when I was watching it again today, I saw it, and I was like, that's actually a move? Like, they actually, someone, people took that purposefully? Holy shit. Yeah, like, they, they're, they're taught, like, everything that they do when they're younger revolves around, the, like, making the neck strong, making the shoulders strong, and making everything, because they know that they're going to take that for years and years and years. Like when they get into that business and some people even say like some they, they even say in the beginning there was a documentary and they're like people people will you might end up like dead in the ring if you don't follow it correctly. So they, they teach. That's why they go through extensive training with the young lions. And it's 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 strong style is such a hard style to to master. It takes your whole career. Right. And that's why you're seeing all these veterans, why we still have these guys that are in their 50s still doing it, because they're the people that know how to do it. And they can still make it look real over there to make it 
um, and not destroy their bodies while doing it, right? It's so revered. It's so it's such a revered, revered. Well, we call it sports entertainment, but to them, to them, it's sport. Like again, I have to, I want to go back to where I'm saying it. At times, it feels like we're in a Japanese crowd where where there's mat work done and everybody's quiet, and then all of a sudden you hear a couple claps, and then the more it builds up and. That's what it's like in Japan. It's the same thing with MMA. Like in Pride, they sit there and they're quiet until something big starts happening. And then they really don't make that much noise because they're just appreciating. They're educated and yeah. they're just appreciating what's going on in front of them. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's such a different thing. And I mean, you know what? I think one of the things that we're going through is, um, you know, it was kind of interesting too. Um, you know, just trying to you know get the feel for the canadian crowd too it's a canadian crowd is so different it's kind of a mix match kind of what we we're saying before right so and it, it was good to see like i mean it was a blast being live it was great um but yeah the the booking kind of took a little bit of a hit after this match for me i think a lot of the people were emotionally drained and kind of brought us into a, like a match that i was actually really looking forward to um, so just to let everybody know that match got six stars. We already knew that um, for the rating system. But next match after that was Sting Darby and T my, one of my personal favorite wrestlers from Japan, uh, Tetsuya Naito, uh, against uh, Jericho, Suzuki, and who was the other guy? Sammy Guevara. Was it Sammy Guevara? Yeah. Yeah, my favorite, yeah. He was he's such my favorite that I forgot he was even there. Um, so... I think everybody was really sucked out for this, and I think everybody was kind of really getting ready for Danielson and Okada. So a lot of people took bathroom breaks during this match. I mean, they definitely stayed. We all sang for Jericho's intro. I got a great video of, you know, Chris just going ape shit and hanging out with the people below him, especially with that one guy that was down there that basically was uh, upset with his coughing, like Josh said. Who? So, but uh, I... I Oh, there was a guy every time you coughed that Josh said earlier in the pod that was basically like he was like kind of like just scared of getting germs. He was a germaphobe, basically. And then he was my best friend all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, like because you guys were singing Jericho and all that stuff. And then, uh, yeah, it was good. Oh, yeah. So I have a video. I have a video of me doing that with all you guys. And it looks like it looks like I'm on another planet. <laughs> oh yeah for sure i have a video i had a video that focused on you i had the camera on you for 30 seconds and you didn't even say a word you were looking at your phone trying to get your camera to work to start your video it's hard to do sometimes so yeah i think i tried i, I sent it i think i sent it in the chat uh, yesterday if you saw it but anyways um but yeah i mean seeing darby and tetsia tetsia naito naito was uh, i thought was great um when we went through but i think this match got a little bit lost in translation uh um, Josh, how bad did you feel for these wrestlers being in that spot um, just before the main event and after Osprey and Omega? Yeah, I think they made the best of it. I, it. It's really hard because you're like at this point we're five hours deep and you just had the best match that you'll see in a decade. At least, you know, that I'll, that I'll see, I think. And I just like this match kind of didn't mean anything to me. I guess the Sting and uh, Sting and Jericho never being in the same ring at the same time was kind of a big deal, or like in a match together was a big deal. It was just there wasn't any steam in the crowd left, and it was just like, okay, let's get it over with. I want to get out of here, and you never want to feel like that in an event. And I just think it was just tired, but uh, it was it was okay. It filled the void, but like for me. I was uh, I was too invested in the previous match. Like, what did I just see that to, to even pay much attention to this match? So I give it like a three at the most. 
Chris, I'd say probably at this point you were you were probably at uh, the apex of your drunkenness. Do you remember anything in this match? Oh no, I was about as deflated <laughs> as the crowd at this point. <laughs> like I, uh, big thing for me, I did pop though. Like, um, you know, I I've, I've been watching since WCW days, so Sting and Jericho to me was was something. So that like that was cool. But like once I saw that, even yeah, we'll talk we'll talk about it later. Since we'll talk about it later in the next match, but. Um, yeah, I was pretty, I was pretty out of gas at that point. Um, just watching Sting live though, again, like at this point, watching those two didn't matter about the match to me for that one. Cause I wasn't that invested in the whole thing for me was, was going to be Jericho Sting cause they're, it, it's just going to lead to something long-term with those two. And it's, it's so cool. Cause it, it feels like it, it kind of feels like AEW's, it's got a lot of WCW in it. Like there's a lot of WCW yeah. and AEW and and like having Jericho and it's it's like they're being a little self aware of that now, right? Like this worked in the past. Yeah. This worked in the past, and now we're gonna bring. So to me, it's um, it was one of those spots like with the Jungle Boy and Hook where um, like this match is basically all for AEW to advance the storyline, and uh, and I think it did its job in that point. Um, but do I remember any significant spots of the match? No, <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. I'll give it uh three. Josh, what's your rating? I think I already said three. Oh, wow. Dave gave it a three too. You guys are both bang on ding, 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 ding. Is it, so is this good or bad that we're, <laughs> I don't know. Is it good or bad that we're close? Well, it's, it's, it's bad for the match, but I also think that the match being where it was played the factor for the rating. It was the second lowest match of the night. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's, it, I, I don't think it was just them. I think you have, when you're kind of looking at the whole thing, you got two really young guys in, in Allen and, um, you know, in, in Sammy. And then you kind of look at it and you got some older guys there. Like Naito is still pretty old. He's in, he's in his mid forties. You know, you have Sting and Jericho are still trying to do their best and they're probably getting close to 50. And you have Minoru Suzuki who looks like he's about 80 years old and still looks like he's the king of pancreas. But, uh, you know, in a, in a lot of cases, um, there were some really funny moments in the match. If you watched it, like the like when the three uh, when the Suzuki guns did the pose, that was pretty hilarious. And but I didn't think it was terrible. I think you're right. Like they worked hard for it. But I think they they kind of knew. I'm sure that when you're in the back and you know that you're in between sandwich between these matches, that it's going to be rough for your night. And uh, I think sometimes as a performer, you just got to to go through it. I don't think there was a better group of um, veterans that could have handled it like they did. Like that match could have been a lot worse than what it was especially on a high-end pay-per-view so oh, i think they did all right even um, though the, the ratings low imagine they didn't have like sting and jericho in there to tell they probably had to tell them to slow it down like you're not going to steal the show like this isn't a match to steal the show yeah for sure and i mean i, I like i mean i kind of look like i think like obviously like kind of going into the the next match we'll talk obviously the main event was um danielson and okada um and, you know, and, and, and still for me on paper, I still don't think like as much as I think Danielson is probably the biggest, a, like probably the best AEW draw. I don't know if he's the biggest, but I think he probably would be close to the biggest. And but I think he's the best draw that AEW has just because he can do so many different things. Um, you know, and, and Okada is 
basically for the last years, especially when Omega was in NJPW, was uh, the, the face of NJPW. Um, I thought everybody was looking forward to this match, and it was going to be a lot better than what it was. But we obviously um, hit a bit of a problem in this match, and we found out about it during the presser. Um, that obviously um, there was a rumor that uh, Brian Danielson actually fractured his arm before the match. Um, and uh, I don't know about you guys, but there was a couple of weird spots that we saw in that match for the main event, which was at one point Daniel Bryan started convulsing, or Brian Danielson started, Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson started uh, convulsing on, on the ground. And I don't think that actually happened, obviously. Like, I'm just probably being a mark when I say that. Josh always goes, stop being a fucking mark, but... Um, I thought the convulsing was kind of stupid because I think at one point people were like, well, something looks wrong there, right? And then it just, it added nothing to the ending of the match whatsoever. But um, Chris, I'll start with you on this before we get your rating because I don't think you, I don't know if you can really give us a rating in this match. But the one thing that I'm going to ask you is to relate it for the first five minutes that you were there because something happened, right? What happened? <laughs> uh... Okada's entrance music that I was looking forward to the most out of the whole night. Yeah, you were looking forward to the coin drops, right? Yeah, exactly. And then, but 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 after the entrance happened, where'd you go? Oh, I went home to beat the crowd. <laughs> yeah, I left to beat the crowd. Okay, guys, picture this. Chris is about 12 beers deep, and I don't blame him, but I'm not judging him. But I don't think if it was me paying $200 at one of the biggest pay-per-views and a pay-per-view that I'd never see, that five minutes in, after seeing the entrance music that I want to see, just said, fuck it, see you guys, I'm uh, catching my Uber. No, I'm beating the crowd. And I told you. The crowd wasn't even bad. I'm just telling you right now, me and Josh stayed for the full 30 minutes and we walked to our car in the parking lot, which was five or 10 minutes away. And it still wasn't long to get home. Like it was actually, it was like we were bang on time. Well, you asked me in line, you said, what's the thing you're looking to most? I said, hearing the, hearing the coin drop and hearing Okada's music. And as soon as that happened, I, I was out. And the good news is I got a, I got a present for you later. I actually have the video of that entrance. I don't know if you got it, but I actually no, have it. So I if you That's don't, awesome. uh, if you didn't get it, I got it. I got it for you. Nice. Uh, I get I give the so, match. Uh, anyways, give the match four and a half. Okay, great. Good guess. Good guess. If uh, but you'll be able to watch it back again. I, we do we do have video for it, so I'll uh, we'll lend it to you. Josh, since you were actually there <laughs> um, for the whole match. <laughs> Um, what were your honest thoughts about, uh, you know, maybe seeing Akata wrestle for the first time? I don't know if that was your first time ever watching Akata. Um, I, I, I have a feeling that it might not be if you watched uh, the Omega and Akatas from the Wrestle Kingdoms, but I could be wrong. Um, what were your thoughts of the match as the main event in general? Yeah, it was it was good. Uh, I think, hasn't Okada wrestled on AEW a couple times? Yeah, he did it on the like... original Forbidden Door, but I don't know if he was on any televised tapings. Chris, you might know better than oh, okay. I do. I've seen, I've seen him. Wrestling. I think he might have showed up before cool. the first Forbidden Door. I don't think you don't think he got in the ring. I don't think he wrestled though. I think he just kind of did a run in, and I think that was it. He ran in during a main event, and I think that was it because it was for the he, they were all involved in the four way for the title, right? Oh, oh yeah, right. that's okay, maybe when, I didn't see when Adam Cole. No, he was before. in that match when Adam Cole got hurt. Yeah, he was, and yeah, okay, uh, yeah. that was okay. with Switchblade and somebody right. else. I think Paige. Right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I did see that. Okay. Yeah. So I, I again, I think this match was kind of like it was part of the pro part of the problem is, is that like the AEW pay per views are an hour and a half too long, um, and 
that to keep matches like this going. I think that like the the Will Osprey Kenny Omega match took so much of the air out of the the event that you're just like, okay, we should have been out of here an hour ago, and I'm just tired and ready to go. So, I thought the match was really good. I think that the injury probably affected it. It definitely wasn't like as high energy as I thought it was going to be. It was a good stiff match. I watched it again today. Um, I was kind of confused about the the um, the seizure as well. Was the did the medical guy kind of step in for a second too? Because I felt like that kind of was like I don't really like when the when AEW does that. If they're going to bring in medical as part of the story, then that's then that's- I don't like that. If they're going to bring medical in because the person's injured, it's then like that's kay- fine. Kay- I faving the medical X. was in there. You know, like when they put the X up. Yeah, I don't like count. that shit. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like that shit. Like, if anything, I would have been like, why didn't they do that when Kenny Omega was dropped on his face? But, uh, you know, so for them to do it in the match, was Dan- was Brian Anderson legitimately hurt? And saying, like, can you actually continue? Then maybe that makes sense. But I just don't like it. looked like it was kayfabe and I didn't like it. Um, so it kind of took a little bit out of it for me. The match was good. The finish was good too. Um, so yeah, I thought it was, it was good. I'd be interested to see them, uh, wrestle again when Brian Danielson's a hundred percent. Um, yeah, I'd have to agree. I think like it, uh, th- there were some parts of the story where it felt like it just kind of, the, the story didn't make sense. And apparently, like we said, he, th- he thought he fractured his arm, but he definitely broke his arm during that match when uh, Okada did the elbow drop, because that's what he said during the presser. Um, so when they went through that, basically, I think like when that happened and that happened 10 minutes in and he kind of made an, an, an interesting fact when he was talking in the scrum and he basically said, he's like, you have two options at that moment when that happens and you know that it's broken. He's like, you either stop or you go for it. And he said some of the best moments of his career, he, uh, actually said was when he actually went for it. So he actually wrestled another, what, 15, 17 minutes with a broken arm and, uh, like none of us could really tell that it was broken. I think maybe the convulsion that he had was maybe a way for him to check to see if he could keep going at some point, but I don't think that that happened at the 10-minute mark. Um, I'd have to go back and check it, but I think in a lot of cases, um, it just kind of ended. Like, I don't think anybody thought, like, Josh, this was kind of one of those where it's kind of like the weird ending where, oh, like, he, he made him tap out, but it just it just felt like it was like it didn't feel like it was the true ending of the story. Like personally, for me, I believe I think you're going to see Danielson and uh, Akata fight probably in Japan. I think that's probably the next spot for them. I don't think it'll be Wembley. I'm really hoping it's going to be Wrestle Kingdom because I think with a fully healthy uh, Daniel uh, Brian Danielson going into um, into Japan to fight Okada, I think that's just got money written all over it. Really, so. Uh, but anyways, Chris, uh, what'd you give it? What, what was he? Did you give it a rating? Four and a half. Uh, four. Oh yeah, Josh, what'd you rate it? Oh yeah, I give it a four. Yeah, I'd probably be around a four. Meltzer gave it uh, four and three quarters. That's what he gave it. And I think that's probably due to a lot with the the build up, the crowd reaction, everything like that too. I think that's where you get the other point seven five. But I think we'd be sitting around a four now. Yeah, and I I think that I gave it a four because I was there live and I was exhausted. I was like, hey, four, great, thanks. I got to see this. It was it a good ended, match. But if it, it would have been earlier, yeah, and then it ended, and then everybody beelined it out. Yeah, if it would have been earlier, this match would have been like if this was the opening match, I think it would have been a great opening match too. Uh, but. With the Will Osprey match, it was definitely not the main event for me. 
Holy guys, like this has been the longest podcast we've ever done, but I, I got one thing to do before we kind of kick it off. Josh, are, are you going to tell us what slices your salami or what's going on here? Yes, I have a slices my salami today. Uh, so I'll do one that's related to AEW because they do them so often. Uh, everybody seems to do tope suicidas and I'm tired of it. Uh, I'm okay with the tope suicida, but like when you see six or seven in a night, not a special. So maybe they need to stop doing so many in a row. But that's okay. You know, it is what it is. But uh, that slices my salami. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, I think we I think we were counting them at one point. We were a quarter into the night, and I think there was four of them. Six. <laughs> so six? Holy fuck. That's a lot. That's a lot of Excalibur talking about topes. So um, anyways, boys, we got through it. It's been our first podcast in a while. It's great to be back online with you. As always, it was great to be at the event live with you and to be able to reconnect after a while. Um, you know, it's um, obviously things aren't the same with text and uh, just doing it behind the screen. It's nice to be in person and hang out and smoke a fat can of every now and then. Um, but with that being said, everybody that's listening, um, thank you for your time and effort. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Um, we appreciate you. Um, again, if you want to really help us out, throw us a subscribe or throw us a follow at YouTube, Spotify. Chris, jump in with anything else. Google Play, Apple. Apple. Yeah, let's let's try to work on the uh, on the YouTube, though, because that seems to be where we're getting the most of our traffic. So you give us a subscribe yeah, we're on YouTube, too. Chris, Chris plays some traffic and then he boosts some shit with some other videos. We know how it works. He's he's the mastermind behind all this and our and our amazing editing that we have when this comes live. So um, again, if you have questions to uh, hit us up at, you can always hit us up at the rub wrestling at outlook dot com. Um, we're there. We're looking forward to hearing from you. So um, we'll get Chris to put that on uh, the YouTube channel as well. So if you have questions, if you hate us, fuck you. <laughs> and if you like us, send us a follow and a subscription. And uh, with that being said, you know, wherever you are in this beautiful world, good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night. We all bids you adieu. Bang. <laughs>